It's time for Larry No Spot. My guest tonight is the SI.com Nick's Beat Writing. Hosting and toasting, contributing. Locked on Nick's co hosting. Alex Wolf! And I'm your host, Larry the Athlete! Bang! Alright, we're talking. Basketball off-season. Is it the off-season? I don't know. Maybe there's going to be games to play. We'll see how this uh, quarantine and coronavirus goes down. Um, there's rumblings about, you know, possibly doing like an Olympic Village style thing where everybody would get together in uh, Las Vegas and they'd be like a quarantined community where everybody would do testing before every game. Uh... And we're now joined by Alex Wolf to kind of go over some of this stuff. Uh, Alex Wolf is joining in two seconds. Hello, Alex. I made it. You Good made stuff. it. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk about the direction of the next. Uh, the next front office and where we think they're going. Uh, first, I want to talk about the Bulls because today they signed um, Arturis Karnasovis, who was the uh, mm-hmm. G- he was the GM of the Denver Nuggets. Now will be the executive VP of the Bulls franchise. Um, so was, he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was one of the like more sought after front office candidates, right? Yeah, it sort of seemed like it. it I seemed- think the Knicks were sort of linked to him at one point, too. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a nice signing to do, like, right around now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if the Knicks, if the Knicks were into that sort of thing, it sounds like right now they're uh, trying not to sign anybody because uh, they don't want to appear like jerks or something. I, I don't know what okay. the whole thing is there. Like, they don't want to fire anybody. Okay, so does that mean that um, the Bulls are a bunch of jerks right now? Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah, I mean, that's true anyway. <laughs> Despite their awesome entrance music, um, the Bulls, like, since the time of Jordan, have been just a terrible, terrible franchise, winning some championships, but just terrible people along the way. Yeah. 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 I think that's safe to say. Um, okay, so let's get back uh, to the Knicks. We'll see when they end up signing anybody. Um, so I'm just like, there's lots of, like, Rumors going around, and I'm trying to get a feel for what is actually going to happen. Um, I don't know how much I can help on that, but I can certainly try my best. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, try try hard because I'm I'm uh, I'm in bad condition over here. Um, the thing I'm not. I mean, I do trust them or this new regime with uh, Leon Rose. I. Every time like a trade deadline approaches or there's uh, a deadline to whether it was this past offseason, whether they were going to pick up the option for Frank Nilakina or uh, or Kevin Knox or whoever, um, I always am kind of holding my breath and just think they're going to do something stupid until they prove otherwise. So that's in a way where I am right now. 
Um, and I felt that like as we approached the trade deadline, as there were rumors about Andre Drummond or uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, coming over via trade. And, you know, up until Steve Mills was fired, that seems like it was in the realm of possibilities, right? Yeah. I mean, the Drummond trade, I, I don't know how realistic that necessarily was. Mm. Uh, it sounded like it was potentially discussed internally. I mean, ultimately, now when I look at what Drummond actually went for, I right. don't necessarily know if I would have faulted them for giving up. Yeah. If it was that just the same second package, rounder. roughly. Right. Yeah, if it was a second rounder plus, I don't know. I mean, the Knicks equivalent of what the Cavs gave up would have been like Bobby Portis and some rando, you know, like mm. Wayne Ellington or something. I don't know. Um, if that was all it would have taken, sure, I guess. Uh, I could have gotten behind that, I guess. But, um, I, you know, I don't know necessarily how realistic that was overall. Um, I feel like they probably had some exploratory talks like most teams do. Yeah, which you always hope and, they do. Um, yeah, the- I honestly, I think it's good if they call around on lots of people. Right. You know, I, I prefer to see that they're kicking lots of tires rather than doing nothing. You know, I I felt like that was always a hallmark of the Phil regime was Phil. I, I felt like never wanted to engage in trades and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, it seemed like it, it. you never heard anything about the Knicks like draft night or uh, trade deadline, anything really kicking the tires on anybody. It was just like. No, we're good. We got this figured out. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, yeah. the team sucks. Like, make some damn moves. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, you got to do your due, due diligence everywhere. Um, so then it becomes hard to know what is actually truth and what is not. Um, so with trying to get a gauge on Leon Rose, I think, like, first of all, I think you would agree that even though these even though we haven't had success in the past few years, this still needs to be about doubling down on the youth movement and getting and developing the kids, uh, collecting assets um, and not making any stupid trades for like any win now trades that sacrifice the future. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. I'm a hundred percent with that. Um, you know, and I think they'll probably go that right. The only, the only move that it sounds like maybe a subtraction is that Chris Paul, Mm-hmm. Uh, rumor, which I don't feel great about. Yeah, um, but it is what I could see, like the selling point of it. But I think there's way more against it than in favor for it, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the Chris Paul deal. I mean, that's like that was another red flag for me that has me holding my breath. Um, because his contract is not as bad as it once looked, right? Because it's now only two years left. He's shown that he's still playing at a high level. So at least one of those years will be playing at a high level, we could presume. Um, it's just it's it's he's probably going to be miserable. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, completely not going to help develop whoever they're they're here trying to develop. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like, I guess it, it sort of depends on who they take in the draft too. like. Mm-hmm. If if they take a point guard, like you know, they probably should because right. it's a point guard heavy draft. Um, you know, then you're looking at a situation where it's like, okay, now we might have Chris Paul, and let's just say, let's assume that they don't get in the top three. Let's assume it's like Killian Hayes or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. So you have Chris Paul, Killian Hayes, who's kind of a raw point guard prospect, and Frank Nilakina, who is going into the fourth year of his rookie deal, where you really have to see what he has for you to decide if you want to re-up him or not. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem ideal to me because then you're going to have Chris Paul wanting 30-something minutes a game, mm-hmm. um, you know, expecting to have a big role. And I think it would be I think having Chris Paul could actually be good for Mitch's development um, and sure. maybe arguably RJ, um, depending on how what sort of effect he has. Uh, but all in all, I think, you know, if, if you're going to draft a point guard and you already have really two other point guards on the roster, I still think Dennis Smith isn't totally unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, then you're looking at a situation where it's like, OK, do we have four point guards on the roster now? Like, what are we going to do with this? And, you know, how is Chris Paul playing 30 minutes a game going to help it? Yeah. And I mean, that has been, I think, like the hallmark of Frank's career so far is just there's always been somebody in front of him and someone usually undeserving mm-hmm. in front of him. And he never he never just when it seems like he's getting going, it's either he's uh, benched for somebody or 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 his injury the with the groin injury and it would be nice or coronavirus takes over or coronavirus (laughs) takes over right at two games after he went 20 and 10 right yeah yeah was that his first ever double double no not his first double double was first ever 20 and 10 well his first ever 20 point game and his first ever 20 and 10 game got it okay so he did once have probably like a low low teens scoring he's had um I think he's had at least like four or five double doubles. Oh, wow. um, I remember he had, I'm fairly certain he had one his rookie year. Even uh, I think he had one of them during that, during that good Porzingis stretch. Uh, right. Frank's rookie year. I think yeah. he had a double double in one of those games. Okay. That, that sounds right. I remember his, his first game, the first time he took the court, he tried this like almost like full court pass. Like that was just like displayed great vision. And I don't think it, worked out but it like it was very promising i don't know if you remember that i mean i described yeah, it I don't, pretty vividly so you should remember that yes i remember it perfectly yeah like like it was yesterday right yeah <laughs> but only because of your description yeah thank I you i didn't remember it before that um yeah another like memory of frank this is a little off topic but that stands out to me was this preseason uh i think it was against washington he like had a drive and then passed it away right as he was nearing the rim and Clyde is saying you he's got to shoot that he's got to shoot that and then and I was like so disappointed that he's just showing that lack of confidence and he comes right back the next time the next possession and he gets an and one and I just like was watching pounded my fists to the couch uh and just screamed like that was the that was the best offensive play I've ever seen him make to to nobody <laughs> Yeah, I yell like that a lot. Yeah. I, I usually do it quieter though. Uh, I try to, <laughs> yeah. I try to keep my my shame intact at home. You know, with okay. my wife, I'll just like I'll punch the cushion. I'll just be like yes, yeah, yes. Like you know, I do one of those, right? Just the clenched clenched teeth type shit. You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's nice of you to to not to not disturb your wife like that. Yeah. Um. So. All right, so it would be it would be wonderful if Frank was the starting point guard next year. Um, how much faith do you have in that actually happening, or if the front office sees him as maybe not the point guard of the future, but as a piece of this team? Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty telling of 
a pretty early, uh, you know, indicator of whether we can have faith in the front office, though, because mm-hmm. I I feel like most people with eyes notice that Frank, at the very least, you know, even if he tops out at what he what he was before that, you know, 20 and 10 game in that late season sort of because he was playing well even before that 20 and 10 game. He was he had a stretch of probably five, six games towards the end of the season that made you sort of be like, OK, he's he's playing a little more aggressive now. I think he's playing better. Um, you know, if, if someone can look at that and not come away with the takeaway of like, this is a guy that at worst would be like Andre Robertson, who you could just put out there to defend anybody you want, even if he does nothing on offense. And at best, it might be a, a three and D who can also play make a little bit and run pick and roll. Like, you know, I, I think he's worth keeping and I've already made the case. I think the Knicks should extend him. Um, yeah like before he even hits free agency next year. So that'll be one indicator is if they, if they extend him, then obviously they've bought in Uh, if, but you know, then if they don't extend him by the extension deadline and they let him hit restricted free agency next year, it'll be interesting to see where they're at as far as getting playing time and consistent minutes and all that. It'll also be uh, interesting to see. I think what they do with what they end up doing with uh, Alfred Payton, I'm, I mean, I'm totally with you that I hope they just let him walk. Um, uh, but I, I, if if they are a team that's not very forward looking and just sees his like his stats, his counting stats, and decide to keep him, then it, it's it's a bad sign, I think, for this front office. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's there's going to be a lot. Like I just hope that this front office is. Uh, standards for what players are worth investing in are different than mm-hmm. the last front office. You know, it seemed like I actually sort of like the profile of player that Perry tended to go for, like in the draft and stuff. Like I actually, mm-hmm. I, I, I can get behind going for those ball of clay type guys. Like, you know, Mitch seemed like he was going to be a lot more raw than he actually was. Knox was a very raw, you know, mm-hmm. project player. RJ, like for as good as he was, was also considered kind of a raw prospect, you know, that needs a lot of work on his jumper and stuff. But they all have like immense potential. Like I still believe in Kevin Knox too, for that matter. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I, I still think that these guys could potentially turn into real players and they have really good measurables and stuff like that. But the guys that they went after in free agency were more head scratchers. Like, yeah. You know, going after the offense first guys with no real thought towards like defense, you know, like like, for example, signing Portis last year when you could have more easily signed a guy like Dwayne Dedman or something like that. Like they could have given Dedman probably the same contract they gave Portis or something, maybe a little slightly bit more on that first year, you know, just to make it mm-hmm. more enticing to him. But they could have given him a contract like that with a second year team option and done basically the same thing. And, you know, Dedman was more like Mitch in the way that he plays. Right. And, you know, a, but a better defensive presence. But he's got the outside shot. And he has the outside shot, exactly. So then you just have like a 3 and D center, which is sort of what you want out of that spot, but that could actually protect the paint when Mitch isn't in, which the Knicks were like sorely lacking this year because all they had outside of Mitch for their bigs were guys that were super shot happy and not really interested in playing defense. So I just hope priorities are a little different with this front office where they value more rounded players and a more rounded roster, you know, rather than just looking for guys that can create for themselves, look for guys that can play roles, you know? Right. Yeah. And I guess the scary part is that uh, Perry is still there as of now. And who who knows if he'll still be there on the off season, but it seems like they're trying to, 
at least salvage that relationship as much as possible and keep him on board. Yeah, you know, I I said this on Lockdown Knicks mm-hmm. uh, this past week, I think. I don't know. The days turn into weeks, turn into months for me anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I said this on Lockdown Knicks recently uh, where I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't be totally devastated if they kept Scott Perry. Okay. Because um, I actually, I think as a as a draft guy and as a numbers guy, um, I think he's good. And I, I think one thing that definitely, like if if Leon Rose's main responsibility is be the final stamp of approval on everything and um, be sort of the power broker, then I'm cool with that. Cause I think that that's what he's going to be good at is having name recognition and being able to get, get in the door with these big free agents and stuff finally. But like, as far as um, Perry goes, like if he's just there to basically like draft and run the numbers for uh, Rose and his general philosophy with the Knicks at least was rightly or wrongly don't spend money stupidly and protect draft picks. Like there are worse things than that. You know, if you get a, if you get a better big boss for him than Steve Mills, maybe Perry actually looks better. Um, You know, and you know, someone that considers things a little better in free agency um, because that seemed to be Perry and Mills. biggest weakness was free agency versus the draft or anything else. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have had success in the draft. Even if and even if Knox doesn't work out, I think it was a good. I, I think it was a defensible pick at the time. Um, and yeah, I just worry if he, he's on board. He's he's he definitely has a history with Alfred Payton and loves him. It's like who who else are they going to get? Because if 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 Rose is the guy to to seal the deal, Perry is you know kind of in charge of drafting scouting maybe and they just need that kind of forward thinking data guy and i i don't know if they have that or are going to have that yeah i don't think they have that in-house i think they Mm. would need to really put some put some time and money into investing into a real good analytics department because i based off how they play on the floor they certainly don't have a good analytics department right now you know it's they shot like I think the least threes in the league this year, and they've been near the bottom of that number for a number of years now. And sure. they shoot a horrible percentage from three. Um, they don't do it. I mean, they have to also get a coach in there that they know for sure is going to set up a system that generates three pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think you necessarily need to shoot the most in the league or or shoot to have the super high pace because those are all just like buzzwords, and we've seen plenty of teams that shoot 10 million threes and play at the highest paces in the league be awful like the Hawks, for example. Um, but you got to find a good balance and it's just, they've played entirely too slow and not shot enough threes to make up for it um, for the last few years. And they got to, they got to get that together, I think. Yeah. Later. And it didn't really seem like after the trade deadline, you know, after Mills was out of there that they kind of, that they, changed their priorities in terms of like who was playing or mm-hmm. even, you know, things were better with Mike Miller, but there was still a lot of Julius Randall ISO ball. Um, not too much. But, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think that Randall played ISO ball quite as much. Um, mm-hmm. He definitely, he definitely had his boneheaded moments, but I think in general, <laughs> Miller set him up better than, he was under Fisdale. I mean, he had that really great stretch at the end of December mm-hmm. where he was scoring. I think he had the 30 game 
or 30 point game streak uh, of like three. And, but he also for a stretch of about five or six games was averaging like high twenties points per game on really efficient shooting numbers because he was just being used in sensible ways. Um, and, you know, the same thing started to happen kind of post all-star break too. It was like eight games or something like that. It was a small sample, but you know, he was playing in a more sensible way that seemed to make you know, it, the way he should have been playing, being utilized in pick and roll, straight line drives to the hoop. Like, don't put him in situations where he's stranded on the perimeter, having to create for himself and others, because that's just not who he is. Uh, even if David Fisdale thought he was LeBron James or something. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the, the results bore out for the team as well. And, you know, Randall still had some of his boneheaded moves like the spin over and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think he's. I think he's a better player than what he showed for part of the year. And I think under Mike Miller, I mean, I would not be upset at all if they decided to make Mike Miller just essentially like and give him like a prove it deal next year, almost like an interim coach, but uh. not um, to just keep some continuity because the players seem to like him. Uh, but if they if they didn't do that, I hope they look for someone like Kenny Atkinson or something like that. Yeah, that would be some old retread. You know, but but we'll see. But, you know, all in all, I, I don't even hate the idea of keeping Randall in the next year unless you could, uh, such as some of my posting and toasting colleagues wrote a, a nice article today about potentially going after Lowry Markinen. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you could do someone like that, cool, then replace Randall, get rid of Randall in some way. But if they have to roll in the next season with Randall, I think there's worse things. And, you know, if you have a good coach that uses him properly, he could put up better numbers and potentially be enticing, like to trade at the trade deadline or something. Yeah. Um, it's tough if he's like, if he's still the top scorer, I think he has it in his head that he needs to kind of like lead the team and then becomes a ball stopper. Um, I think that's what was sold to him. You know Yeah, I mean? that's true. I think that's what, I think that's what the front office and Fisdale especially told him to begin the year. And I think he kind of had to just be sold back on being just a member of the team, you mm-hmm. know, rather than being the guy. Um, I think, a big part of fixing that this offseason could be getting rid of Alfred Payton because those two just, I mean, there was the report from Mark Berman. Yeah. Uh, this past week or, or maybe it was last week now uh, saying basically that there was a little bit of dissent in the locker room and like, you know, that RJ wasn't super thrilled with the fact that Payton and Randall essentially played keep away sometimes on offense and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that was sort of, surprising to read even though it, it is something we would see bear out on the court but uh it's just interesting that players felt that and like how this stuff leaks out i have no idea um but uh yeah it, it's interesting that players felt that because like yeah i guess if if players are playing with a guy like peyton they know if he's passing to them or not Whereas someone who's just kind of casually watching will see like, oh, Peyton has 10 assists. He must have been distributing the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But then you watch the game and you're just like, well, no, he's <laughs> kind of just looking for Randall and he was fishing for assists a lot. So, yeah, yeah, there's that too. Um, so, yeah, in that article that you mentioned with uh, Mark Berman, he he said that the, the Knicks were thinking of trading Julius Randall. Um it also included giving up a first round draft pick, but it is interesting that they were open to that. And maybe they, the front office has kind of soured on him a bit. 
Well, maybe the new front office has. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which would which wouldn't be surprising. There's no there's no saying that Leon Rose ever really liked Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Who knows? It, and it's not like Perry has any say in the matter at this point. Perry's probably just saying, sure, whatever you want, Leon, I'll, I'll get a deal together. You know, if that's what you want, because okay. he wants to keep a job. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they traded him, I won't be heartbroken, even if they don't have a credible replacement plan. You know, it, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, uh, particularly if they would try to re-sign Bobby Portis at a lower cap figure or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And or or uh, I don't know, have have play more Knox and Iggy at the four or something. As long as as long as like those young players are front and center next year, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Basically. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess that um, so we're, we're, you know, who knows? Reading the tea leaves, maybe they're on the right track. We'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, who are the, what they decide to do with Peyton, what they decide to do with Frank will kind of tell us a lot who they hire as coach. I think will tell us a lot as well. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a few benchmarks that are going to, you know, be dead giveaways for yeah what this front office is going to value and stuff. First off with the draft pick, you could be like, Oh, are they going to take more of a project like a Killian Hayes? Mm-hmm. You're going to take more of a, a win now type player that maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling, like a Cole Anthony or something like that. Um, I, I guess it's arguable if he has a higher ceiling or not, but I, I don't, I think that he profiles as a guy who's not going to have a super high ceiling um, yeah. and will just be kind of a microwave scorer. But um, you know, you've got like that decision, you got free agency. Are they going to try to, make a splash with their cap space, be it through a trade or through mm-hmm. signing somebody who probably doesn't deserve the money, or are they going to be careful and, you know, frugal with their money again? Yeah. Or take um, on, the, uh, unwanted players or unwanted salaries. Yeah. And you know, if it's only for one year, I'm totally for that. If mm-hmm. they start taking out multi-year salaries, then it's like, Oh, so they don't even see themselves being a, a potential free agent player in 2021 which I think part of hiring Rose is because they want to try to lure somebody in 2021. Right. Um, well, as long as they're hoping 2021, because yeah, if they, if they hired Rose like blindly to be just because of star chasing, then, then I'm worried it's more of the same kind of same old Knicks. Yeah. And if it's for this off season, it's like, what do you even star chasing yeah. for? Like, yeah, this team isn't stars, ready to go yeah. yet. You know, Right. You want to, if anything, if anything, like, I mean, we've been patient this long. If anything, you want to, you want to lean super hard into the youth movement next year. Yeah. Let them, let them get damn near the worst record in the league one more time. Mm -hmm. Like it's probably going to be a shortened season next year. Anyway, we can suffer through it for four months or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Deal with that. And then once you do that, it's one of the best draft classes in like a decade next year. And you potentially land yourself then another top five pick in that class, plus, you know, the pick in the 20s from the Mavericks, probably, or maybe higher. Who knows? Porzingis or Doncic could get hurt or something and Mm -hmm. screw that whole thing up. Maybe you get another. That's an unprotected pick. And then you get two second rounders that figure to be in the top 10 of the second round as well. Right. You know, go into that draft, load up there and then maybe, you know, have a, a real stud top prospect plus RJ Barrett plus Mitchell Robinson plus um you know hopefully a re-signed Frank Nilakina plus a Kevin Knox you know whatever you have this whole big thing of hopefully some partially developed players and then you can sell all this cap space to a you know mm-hmm. a big free agent or something in 2021 and be like hey come here and let's you know 
mentor these guys a little bit, but let's win something sooner yeah. than later. It kind of looks like uh, what the Lakers situation was when they first exactly. signed LeBron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, then you have those guys to potentially trade for a megastar like Anthony Davis, too. Yeah. Or, yeah, but uh, we won't need to. We're, I, I, just, I want Frank in my life for like 10 more years. Yeah, I think Frank, it, it's so funny. I, I really do think that he's going to sign the first rookie extension since Charlie Ward, and it's going to be hilarious. That because it would be so hilarious, yeah. He's, he's like, uh, normally this is used in a negative connotation, but I'll use it positively here. He's like a cockroach, you know what I mean? Like, he just can't <laughs> die. Like, <laughs> you know, he's he's always rumored to be getting traded by the ah. Knicks, and, uh, and just he's never ever going away like he's just yeah. he's always going to be here at least i hope so i, yeah, hope, I hope he's so a too. good cockroach and so a he, handsome cockroach he's, he's a good cockroach he's so and so made fun of by so many like basketball pundits or basketball fans and so hated by some basketball fans um mm-hmm. but just if he's able it would be so funny if he gets that rookie extension that he's he despite all the adverse uh yeah, the adversity that he's faced and with his groin, with uh, being benched by Hornacek and and Fisdale, that he just keeps surviving, and he and he outlives all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I, I really hope so because I want to. I'd like Frank to be around for a long time too. I really think. I I, I don't know how many times I've said this at this point, but if he develops a thirty five percent three point jumper. Oh he's yeah, a ten year NBA player. Absolutely. Easily. You know, it's without question. That's all he needs. Even if all he can do is spot up and defend people, he's a ten year NBA player. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. And and I think he his handle really improved this year. Oh, I know. I'm saying literally, if that's all he could do, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. if you know, considering he can also handle the ball and you know run pick and roll and has very nice vision, yeah, he's. He projects, I think, to be much more than just a three and D player, but that's like his absolute, you know, floor at this point. If he hits a thirty-five percent right. clip on his threes, yeah, there was an interesting stretch. Like I think after Miller took over, uh, and while Peyton, I think, was injured, where Frank was starting, or maybe it was actually after Peyton came back and Frank was uh, coming off the bench, and there was just like him and Mitch had this amazing pick and roll uh, chemistry together. Um, but it then seems like they kind of stopped doing it. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe just I. I mean, they they were getting split up a little more. Yeah. Um, I think I don't think they got to play with each other quite as much. It mm. seemed like for a bit there, so that maybe played into it a little bit. But I mean, Frank also is pretty smart. Like, it, I think that he would try to find other shots as well. Like, I noticed he was, you know, he would kick out for threes a lot. And Frank also, those last number of games, started to look for himself a little more, I think, yeah, intentionally, because yeah. he was told to. So instead of those situations where he might be looking for Mitch on a roll, he started, you know, pulling up for three off of like a quick, you know, pick and and just a quick jumper. Uh, or he'd start driving in and then, you know, take his little pull up or he'd drive in and just get all the way to the cup. Uh, so... I think that was why you started seeing less of him feeding Mitch there towards the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always pleasantly surprised when he makes a nice drive to the rim. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it becomes less surprising of a yeah. occurrence sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, Alex, did you, uh, by any chance, did you watch WrestleMania this weekend? I didn't watch WrestleMania. No, I did see highlights of the Undertaker's match. Yeah. I uh, I haven't been a huge wrestling guy for probably about ten years now. Okay, um, maybe even a little longer. I used to, I was a big Attitude Era guy. Right. Yeah. So um, was I. 
and and then sort of like the early days of Cena and uh, um, like Cena JBL. That was a good WrestleMania mm-hmm. to me. I remember that one. Um, and then right around like oh six oh seven, they started to lose me a little bit when they went into that mega family friendly. Yeah, when model they went PG. Where, yeah, when it got a little too like lame for me. <laughs> And uh, and they made Cena into a superhero that could never lose and all right, that good right, stuff. Right. Uh, but yeah, I did see the I did see the AJ Styles and Undertaker match. I saw some highlights from that. That looked pretty good. It was yeah. Um, I, it's a it's a cool yeah. way. To... I understand some of, some of the card just got totally changed around at the last minute, right? Wasn't Roman Reigns supposed to face Goldberg and it then was. he subbed out? Yeah, that was probably a leukemia thing, right? Doesn't he have he had leukemia? He was exactly. probably worried about COVID. Exactly. Yeah. So he like yeah. decided to self quarantine because he's immunocompromised, which mm-hmm. make, obviously mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, um, perfect sense. Yeah, but it was a fun show. Uh, a AEW is really good these days. I don't know if you've watched that at all. I have watched some of that. You know, um, one of the guys that's on that show uh, used to and still does wrestle with my cousin uh, in like oh. Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania era uh orange cassidy who's on aw oh, of course yeah 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 i just met him like over the winter um because okay. <laughs> so you- my my cousin my yeah. cousin used to like wrestle with him in his backyard like okay. they were like backyard wrestling together yeah and my cousin still does it does like house shows all over pa and uh orange cassidy rolls through to like almost all of them still and we'll do a match for them it's he's very entertaining. I like his character. He's a lot. he's got the greatest character. It's very entertaining. Um, mm. and it's fun even when like he's able to. He had this amazing match against um, Pack, who was Neville in WWE. Uh, mm-hmm. where like because you know most of it is is for a while is his shtick of just like the the those soft kicks pretending not to yeah. care. Yeah. Right, but mm-hmm. then all of a sudden this offense will come out and it just like told a great story. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, man. My, like my cousin wrestled him over last summer and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they did the same thing, you know, he, his, his shtick is pretty similar, you know, most matches, but it's like, he actually, like he doesn't care for a while. does the hands in the pockets thing. His hands in the pockets routine is incredible <laughs> yeah. where he, uh, he, he does like dives through the ropes and, and drop kicks and nip ups and everything else with his hands in his pockets. And then, uh, but yeah, I think it was like my cousin's thing was he took his sunglasses off and that pissed him off. So then that was finally when he decided, okay, hands out of the pockets. And he started like body slamming him and doing the scoop slams uh-huh. and all that shit. So it what, was fun. It was a uh, fun match. Who is your, what's your cousin's wrestling ring name? He wrestles as uh, Dan Champion or Big Dan. Big Dan uh, Champion. Yeah. I've never, yeah. I don't know him, but uh, I'll be on the lookout for him. Yeah, keep an eye out. He's on Twitter. Uh, rare time for me to plug him. Hold on, let me. I think his I think his handle now is Big Dan Champion. Hold on, let me check. He got himself a new. Yeah, it is. It's Big Dan Champion. Look him up on Twitter. All right, I'll look him up. Uh, anything you want to plug before we go? No, nah, just just my usuals. It's usual um, stuff. Yeah, it's locked on Knicks uh, yeah. at locked on Knicks on Twitter. We're scaled back our production schedule a little bit, so we're doing like three, four episodes a week. Okay. Rather than the usual four to four, five, six episodes a week right now. But uh, we have some pretty good ones. Uh, we had one earlier this week with Mark Berman uh, talking about the 99 uh, finals team for the Knicks. And then just recorded one today that is going to air starting tomorrow and then finish up on Monday with Chris Herring oh, nice. of ESPN uh, about the 94 
team because he's currently writing a book about those 90s era teams. Um, then we have, I don't want to reveal it quite yet because we haven't booked it yet, but we do have a pretty solid guest uh, lined up for next week for uh, breaking down the title teams. Um, can't can't quite say it, who it is just yet. Is it, but Is it Ewing? Well, it wouldn't be Ewing for the for the title teams. Oh, for the title teams. Ah, if, ah. Oh, yeah, it could be Clyde. If anything, it would be Clyde. But I, yeah. I, it, I could say it's probably not Clyde. It's probably but I, not Clyde. A, yeah. I'm guessing. I'm also guessing it's not Phil Jackson. No, it's not Phil Jackson. Okay. No, that that's a definite. Um, yeah, it, I did put feelers out there to see if I could somehow get Clyde. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, that would but, be wonderful. Uh, that would be fantastic, but no, it's, it's a good guess though. So we got that coming up. We just got to finalize details. Um, then, uh, if, uh, posting and hosting PT Nick's blog on Twitter, uh, check that out. And, uh, uh, also Nick sports illustrated, uh, at mm-hmm. Nick's SI on Twitter or all Nick's.com. We're still putting out content. We got some fun, like, uh, fantasy draft type stuff we've been doing in lieu of actual basketball. Uh, nice. And then, uh, and I've been doing a keeper cut series with them where I talk about every single uh, free agent or, or option available player on the roster. Uh, I started off with uh, Iggy Razdakis and Kenny Wooten. Then I did Mo Harkless and Wayne Ellington. Then I've got one in the pipe about Alonzo Trier as well. It should be coming out in the next couple of days. And then someone else, TBD, uh, sooner than later. And uh, and then you can just follow me on Twitter at the Alex Wolf. That's at it. the Alex Wolf. All right. Thanks for joining me. Uh, this has been another episode of Larry Knows Sports. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Larry the Athlete. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review, and have a good night.